Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Andre DePuisto. I'm the founder of Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. All right, well, we got Dan on the line. And I started thinking, I probably shouldn't have shared those pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we got Don Higgins on. Um, anything that's got to do with uh, chasing big deer, I've got my hands in it somehow. So. Well, my name's John Eberhardt. The first one that comes to mind was early in my career. I'm Scott Buckley from Iowa. Um, I had jumped him in the summer, too. He jumped up in that swamp grass down in the bottom lake. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm chasing it. There ain't nothing stopping me. Justin Hollinsworth, I'm with Whitetail Addictions and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So what are we talking about tonight? We're, uh, we're talking about the one that got away. We talked about a deer that we didn't get it done on for some reason. Um, so uh, go ahead and get into the story of the one that got away. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes with the One That Got Away series, episode one, coming at you, hardcore, and we got an absolute legend on, talking about the one that got away, um, Andre DeQuisto, guys. We, uh, he was late to come on to the ship of the One That Got Away series, so he missed the boat for uh, the video that we put together, Grant put together, so we wanted to make it up, so we're going to put him first. Um, Absolute legend, been hunting a long time, killing giants, um, been innovating the tree stand company, you know, in industry for a long time. Um, really good podcast. A lot of tactic talk in this one. Um, kind of more of a tactic talk than a one that got away, but a mm-hmm. little bit of that mixed together. So that's always good. But let's get into the people who make this possible. We're going to get in the show. Um, we're going to start off with Underwarmer this week. Um, like I said, it's another company that wanted to reach out and get some whitetail hunters their information but um, this is great for hunting guys if you plan on doing an all-day set in late season um, this will keep you comfortable and let you sit longer um, you can also reseal and reuse um, this heated vest and you can put it back in the airtight bag and reuse for the next day um, 1099 you you know you got 12 hours of your 
use so you could potentially get three or four humps out of this thing depending on how long you're sitting most of the time in late mm-hmm. season you're only sitting for three hours right so you could damn near get a full week of hunting out of one of these vests to, to make you last that three hours in the stand you can find out more at underwarmer.com all right you got last breath over there yeah guys uh, i'm sure you guys have heard by now the latest uh youtube uh per se restrictions on monetization or whatever but um if you guys are gonna shift platforms or such if you so desire there um Last Breath TV is also on Carbon TV, and uh, you can watch all of their shows on there, and uh, be sure to up that Carbon score for them. All right, let's do Riton Optics. Um, this is the second week we're mentioning them. Um, I wanted to give you the Riton promise this week. I thought this was pretty cool. Um, as a company founded by law enforcement and military veterans, we take our commitment to service seriously. Beyond being members of the Riton team, we are also hunters, marksmen, outdoorsmen, and women and ultimately consumers just like you. For that reason, we base our standards for service on the golden rule as we always provide you with the level of service that we expect to receive as consumers. Um, I think this is key in their you know, unlimited lifetime warranty. Yeah. You know, receiving something back um, in, in 48 hours uh, if you have a problem with the binos or the scope or whatever. You know, it's hunting season. You drop your binos and you have something replaced in 48 hours. They go back out there. Um, that's top tier customer service, so it's pretty pretty awesome. Um, the service that they're trying to going to try to exceed your expectation and remind you of the times when good service was not a rarity. So you can find out more about them at RideOnOptics.com. All right, we're getting into Exodus. Uh, photos right now are getting very important. You're really paying attention to all the detail in them. Um, one thing that can happen is pink or black photos with your trail cameras. And uh, just a disclaimer, it is not your flash that is malfunctioning. Um, the flash in most cameras nowadays are LED bulbs, and the, that means that they are going to rarely fail. So what is happening with your pink or black photos is that it's the IR filter that's stuck over the lens. It's either it's a mechanical device in there, and it uh, goes over the lens. So... It's stuck either open or shut, and um, you can manipulate that with a flashlight or a dark room and figure out what is going on. And um, do not recommend banging it off a tree to get it to go back. It might fix it temporarily, but it um, is not going to be a permanent Remember fix. When we threw that I know. One in the back as of the soon truck. as I seen that today, I was like, "We've done that," yeah. <laughs> and uh, we did get it to work for a little bit, but. Uh, Luckily, if you do, if this does happen with your Exodus camera, it will be covered within the five-year um, warranty, and you can send that puppy back, and they will fix it. If it is outside the Exodus brand, um, most likely out of luck due to it being a mechanical device. And uh, be on the lookout on their Instagram and their uh, website for Scrape Week coming up. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, and they do have a. Uh, inventory in there if you guys are looking for a last minute cell cam to pop in there so um black rifle use code whitetail legacy if we are coffee needs ruts coming up you need that coffee caffeine boost in the morning um back black rifle is a good place to get that support a, a badass american company and you can get a little 20 percent off with code whitetail legacy um and if you're looking to get some new camo and you're interested in badlands reach out to us facebook instagram twitter tiktok wherever you need to to message us and we will get you a code for some Badlands. All right, let's get into the show. 
All right, guys, we are blessed with greatness tonight. Um, we are talking to the one and only Lone Wolf. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm doing, man. I'm making it. Yeah, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to some podunks on here. Um, really jacked to talk to you about. Really excited to get you in this series. Um, I don't know if this is something you've ever got to talk about on a podcast or not before, but uh, just excited to listen to you talk whitetail for half an hour here. Cool. I enjoyed doing it. Wish I had more time to do it, you know? Yeah, I know you're a busy man with a lot of stuff going on, and uh, but it seems like you're... I, uh, I always talk to like Heath and guys like you, and I just hope I have the passion to get out there and still hanging hot and make moves and you know, when when you get up there in the age a little bit, you're out there making us look, you know, soft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm I'm feeling it, brother. I turned sixty last year, and uh, uh, I'm I'm feeling it. But I think you can rely on some experience, so I don't have to go at it so hard physically. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that definitely plays a role when you can get in there and you're like, all right, this is where I need to be. I know, and you ain't got to make the eighty-seven mistakes that we make carrying the stand around and then you walk around for a mile and you're like there's nowhere i want to sit up in here at all and then you end up back in the track so yeah <laughs> that needs to be a goal we have cody is in 30 years we just rely on the experience so we're not out there kicking our own ass yeah, 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 you know? yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's fun to kick your own ass but uh um but you know years ago when i was younger uh did some elk hunting and it was uh it was like it was kind of a uh, bull hunting and an athletic you'll combine two passions and it was um used to like to work you know work out and things of that nature but uh now with scent control and all that i'm real careful and try not to break the sweat and get in easy and um and getting stealthy and just uh, uh relying on what i learned over the years you know yeah that's that's definitely what it ended up being you get that much experience that many kills um just so if anybody's lived under a rock and don't know who you are, give them a brief introduction of who you are and what you do. So, uh, Andre DeQuisto, um, I'm the founder of Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Um, I have uh, been designing um, in the tree stand business for around 40 years now. Um, and that's one of my big passions is uh, whitetail hunting. Once I took that up, uh, I started designing and, and making my own products, and because I have no life at all other than whitetail hunting in the off season, I would take my products and do just what a lot of guys do now: uh, modify them, fix them, uh, improve them for the next season. Just basically getting ready a whole year in advance. Um, so now uh, I retired for a while. I did sell uh, lone wolf tree stands, and then um, decided to come back out. Uh, retired out here in uh, in Iowa. And I'm excited about some of the new products we have now and, uh, and the innovation. So I guess I still get to have my cake and eat it too, I guess. So. Yeah, you got to step away for a while and focus on just hunting and then come back in and come back in Second with a win. brand new kick-ass product, that's for sure. So, Are you there? Yep, I'm here. So. Oh, okay, all right. Um, so the reason we had you on is we wanted to talk to the absolute best uh, in the business, as we like to say, at killing deer. Um, and we thank you that you are way up there, uh, not only killing deer, killing like world class deer. And uh, we, you know, you come on podcasts and you talk whitetail, but you don't ever get to talk about the one that got away. So, what is the story of one that 
a deer that you just hunted and just could never put the pieces together on? So it's it's funny that uh, I never like to have um, uh, input on what we're going to talk about on a podcast. I like to just come in cold, you know, ask questions. I don't like to think about it. And this time you put me on the spot to think about it. And I, oh, yeah. for the life of me, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm thinking back. I mean, there's a lot of deer that I haven't got, um, but not a lot of them have got away. <laughs> uh, there's one that I've been hunting particularly now. It's, it's a pretty big, uh, a decent deer, but just, um, um, and it's just a matter of not being on the property for all that amount of time, just showing up for a, like a week, a year. So it's that type of thing where you're limited to, um, your hands are tied to, to going and getting it, you know. So um, I have had the pleasure of, uh, and I thought I would talk about those, literally hunting uh, two different bucks that would have been um, net and world record typical uh, status and, and did not get them, obviously. Um, but I keep thinking back, and I think back all these other deer that I hunted and I didn't get. Um and I swear to God, I, there was, there's probably nothing that I would do different. Um, I'm pretty much set in my ways. I know, um, I know what I know and I'm very confident when I do. And I don't ever really second guess, um, a decision. It, it's the right decision. And to me, it's fate that just didn't, you know, the chips didn't fall my way. So, um, you know, you can't control what a deer does that. And I, you know, guys talk about luck. Uh, the only luck I believe in is bad luck. Um, and I'm not a real lucky guy. So if a deer could come down a trail and, you know, make a turn to come to you or make a turn to go away, you know, 99% of the time, I think he's going to, he's going to go the other way. Cause I just, I just don't have that luck. So over the years, I just kind of, uh, got it in my head and my father was the same way. And he taught me early on, uh, you aren't going to get any breaks. Um, you're not going to have the luck that a lot of guys get. So what you do is you work twice as hard and you make your own luck. And I, and I've had that, uh, mindset in business and in life and everything. Um, uh, in the same way, white tail deer, you know, um, I think I'd hunt them all the same way. Like I said, just, uh, um, but to, to, to be in a game with a, with an animal of that caliber, um, here's a perfect example. So, me and a buddy of mine, I shot a buck in Wisconsin one year that missed the state record by about an inch in the soul. Found some sheds the year before, and uh, a good friend of mine, um, we both were checking, you know, the old school trail cameras, and we were at a Walgreens, and we, we put her in, and there that buck was. We, a picture showed up. And we both looked at each other like, you know, our jaws dropped, and holy shit, you know. Game on. And while he's, you know, they're in a panic and what, 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 what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to that swamp and killing that buck. <laughs> and it's like, you know, he didn't have a clue. He didn't have a plan. I already know, you know, I went, tore my equipment down, made sure everything was quiet, you know, tightened everything up and just, and just got, got into the game. It's just another animal. Um, even though it was a bigger class deer, um, I go at them the same way. They're all, you know, some deer have a little different um, personality than others, but um, I read sign I believe what my eyes see, and I hunt accordingly, and I don't, I don't second guess it, you know. Um, and if a deer, here's another thing that, uh, if if I set up on a spot that is just red hot, I almost know 100% I'm killing the deer that I'm after. 
And if the deer doesn't show, I've never, ever second-guessed that I made the wrong decision. I just know that something happened. The deer just didn't get up because of the moon phase. He's probably still sitting back in there. Somebody else bumped him. Something happened that threw it off the sign I read because um, I just believe it should have happened the way it did. And if it, like I said, it didn't show, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's anything of my fault. It's just um, sometimes they don't, you know. Yeah, sometimes. I'm a little long-winded, so you guys slow me down anytime you want. And... Oh, yeah. So, so everybody says they got that sixth sense, and I believe you. If, if you, We have sets like that, like the one set uh, last year, early season we went into. Man, we just felt like it was perfect. We were going to kill for sure. And the it's crazy when you go in like that, how quiet you are, you're slow. And uh, with you going in like that every time, it's just making you that much more successful because you're every time you're going in like this is exactly where I need to be. You're hundred percent confident. You're not thinking about somewhere else. We catch ourselves doing that a lot. We're thinking about, man, we should have went over here. We should have done that. Um, wonder what this is like over there. But if you know you're in the right spot of where you need to be, it's going to make you that much, you know, better being quiet, taking right. time, getting set up. Um, the, the only um, time. The only time I second-guess myself on a stand is if I don't look around first. If I don't have, even though the spot's great, it's been great in the past, there's a stand put in the right tree there, the wind's right and everything. And if I just jump in that stand and hunt it, uh, I just don't do that much anymore. I'll still want to go look at that spot and look at the sign. I cannot get in a tree, and it just freaking bugs the shit. I'm telling you, my binoculars look around on the ground or, um, man, is it ice cold down there? My waist in a night. I just I can't do that anymore. So um, my hunting, more or less, in these last years has been um, the day of uh, or the day after. I mean, I'm just constantly on uh, red hot sign and on the deer. And if you if you put yourself in that spot in that tree, uh, so let's say you put yourself in a tree this year, uh, where's a, a open young coming down a trail. Uh, one or two times. If I put myself on a trail the entire year, every time there's a Pope and Young on that trail, I mean, the percentages and the numbers are just so much in your favor. You're going to, um, you're going to capitalize on it and, uh, try and beat, beat fate or the odds per se. So, um, hunt like a wolf, man. <laughs> yeah. Confidence. That's, that's the motto. You got to go in there. And if you go in there, like you do every time, that's something we need to work on more, I believe, is just going in there like, okay, this is where we need to be. All the pieces are right. We're going in here and we're killing a deer. And I feel like once you get more time in the woods and when you feel like you are you have the, the intel that will make you successful, with you, you know, going in and scouting before you're hunting, we've been doing that more and more every year. We right. don't have an idea where we're going, but. We're, we're I'll tell you, it, it's, uh, you can be, you can be 40 yards off the mother load, just on the other side of a ridge or down at the opposite draw and where there's just chaos ensuing over on the other side and you're in a, you're in an ice cold spot or something. It's just, um, it can be that, that close, um, difference between just, you know, the most awesome shit of your life and, and not seeing shit. So, um, I always tell a story about, uh, we hunted the property here with me and my son and uh you know one year early in october every buck on the entire property 
was in a draw. There was a doe they thought was going in the heat early there, and they were on her ass, and, and there was not a buck anywhere else on the thing. It was just, it was just loading up. Um, and if you weren't over in that draw, <laughs> you, you're just hunting, you're seeing some does, and you're, you're just wasting your time. So, And I do not, very impatient. Um, I do not... Uh, I do not sit all day. I don't like to waste my time. I, um, you know, the old adage, surgically removing something from the face of the earth is to know it, read it so good that you just, I mean, you just, you set up just everything right. And, and a good, uh, a good show to watch would be Heath this year. Um, he's becoming quite the killer. And so is, uh, um, Justin, they've, these guys have really, come into their own in the last five years where they are just hunting machines, man. They don't, you know, they go make their own luck. They don't wait around for shit to happen. They go, they go make it happen. So yeah, we, aggressive. Yeah. got to get a little more aggressive. Don't worry about cracking a few eggs, you know? Yeah. We've definitely been following both of them. And, uh, that's, I keep telling them that's who I want to be when I grow up. I want to be like, he's just out there just <laughs> still crushing it. But, so you had mentioned the uh, the deer that was one inch from the state record that you had hunted, and yep. uh, go ahead. You said you might talk about that. So I'm I'm intrigued on that. Go ahead and let us let's hear that story. So that deer was a um, uh, I almost killed it. I mean, within got a couple more steps, I probably would have put an arrow at the year before. Um, ended up finding the sheds. I'm not a big shed hunter, but we did. I just end up luckily finding those sheds, and it was in the Right around 172 or something, I think, like that. Um, but the the property I have is an absolute shithole. It's a uh, Tamarack swamp. You know, you need high boots. You need there. It's all wet, marshy, uh, low bog stuff. Um, and that deer was was living in there. And um, there's the deer. I got all my shit together. I got all my equipment. Now we're filming for a show. So you got extra. You got camera. You got uh, extra arm. And back then, the stuff wasn't as light as it was now. And I went in there two days and I thought, you know, it's just fucking busting my ass. There's just no fucking way this is happening. Um, so I decided to back out, um, figure out where that deer was, and then just, just hunt him as he, he comes out of the swamp onto the dry ground and uh, changed up my tactics, you know. Um, and it worked. Um, I jumped him out of his bed off of a point, and uh, I knew he was in there. Um, and the deer just... Did the same thing it did the, the year before when it started running doles during the rut. Come out on my property. I got some dry ground there too, and we were just running that circuit. My uh, my brother was seeing them all last year. Um, do the same thing. So um, made the right move. I don't know. I mean, I might have still tied into him back in the back in the shit or in the suck. I call it. It's um, uh, but that one had to be a little bit more of a patient deal where I'm normally pretty aggressive at going at him. A lot of guys think too that I just dive right in on embedding areas and go to it. I always, if, if you if you got that piece of the puzzle, if you know where he beds, you can kill him. That's that's my motto. And if you have that piece of intel, I always try and let him have that little bit and then get him coming in and out of there. Sometimes I won't even go in and hunt a deer on a morning spot because I have him pinned down and he's coming to a crop field or whatever. Uh, but when them son of a bitches don't want to freaking you know cooperate. Uh, if they want to hang back in there and play that game, then I just, uh, and I'm dying like, for that to happen. I roll the gloves up and I go in and get them. So um, it's uh, it's a little more aggressive than most guys, you know, um, taste, like but that. what I've learned like over the years, you know. Though. 
you're you know you're letting a deer tell you how to hunt it don't go in there thinking you could crush him right on his bed if he's playing the edge and you could play a little safe and kill him you're just letting the deer tell you yeah well you, you got it i mean you got the well whatever but another buck that uh i uh the first buck i killed um in wisconsin uh early that one the state record by same thing a couple inches um that deer uh, i was watching two weeks before the season had him patterned and there was no way I was going to dive in there on the morning. I had him freaking pinned out coming through, working the licking branch with a batch of group of bucks. Uh, I slid in there and, and shot him on the opening opening evening. You know, there's no sense to even try and mess with him on the morning. I had him just pinned down. So, um, but I do love getting getting right in there and, and mixing it up with them. Uh, many a times I'll be hunting. I'll actually there'll be that buck will be bedded within 50 yards of my stand. I can hear him chewing his cud and coughing back in there. Um, and I'm right up on these deer and I get up, I hunt on them and I get out of there. They don't even have a cool I'm there. So, um, to be able to yeah, do that's that. something that we've never heard before until last year where we were really pressing into some beds and we heard something and we were like, what is that? And then we were like, that's gotta be something coughing. And lo and behold, it was a buck over there bedded coughing. And we had just set up 60, 70 yards from him and he got up and rubbed a few trees and looped around and then he had worked off and we did a light rattling sequence and he came right back to us and we were like he just wasn't wasn't big enough to shoot you know and right. really cool but um we had hunted yeah, they, off of some sign they, and then we scouted it and if we would have scouted it before we hunted like you said i think we would have been more in the money than right in the spot yeah to, yeah. Oh, I pushed it, dude. I pushed it to the limit. I've got many times I've taken it one step too far, but that's how you kind of learn. Um, you can see where it's gearing down, where it's getting hotter and hotter. You just got to know where it almost stopped there then and, 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 and make your set. Um, you know, uh, one more step and all of a sudden you look to the left and there's the buck bedded looking you right in your freaking eye. Um, sometimes you just, you know, you get, you just get too close. So, um, yeah. Homie, do you think that night that we came in on the south side, if we would have went another 50, 60 yards and set up, we would have had more success? Um, not per se, because we did see a buck. We just didn't see the right buck, because that buck did come and work that scrape right there. I think only, you know, that spot can only hold maybe one mature buck there um, at any given point, but... Um, it, it wouldn't have hurt, I don't think, anything as, as good as we got in there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's, we, we can hunt the north side of this spot and the south side with the wind, but like I was talking to you before, there's just bucks right now that are just being silly and doing the same thing like 12 minutes apart in the daylight, coming out the same trail right out of his bed. I got a tree picked out already. It's like textbook surgically actually removing a deer and that might be the first so, time we could ever do it. And they, we got like 16 days. He's got to hold true for another Okay, so I was, I was just going to, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm laughing because I was just going to do a post. So I just had a, I just put a little pond in here. I'm going to put a couple ponds in to try um, uh, some new stuff hunting off of. Um, but I went and I found a licking branch uh, where a batch of groups working the whole shit coming out. The acorns are dropping in there right now. And they're coming out through beans, which are still a little green, so they're still eating tops off them. But I was going to put a post out. Anybody that saw this spot would be pissing their pants and thinking, this is going to be it for opener. 
that whole scenario, I mean, to set a stand up right there right now would be ridiculous to me because them acorns will be either gone or rotten by that time. So that window closes. Uh, they'll be breaking up in hard horn uh, here pretty soon. So that licking branch will be busting up. And the beans are right now turning and they're, they're not hitting it. So that here that's a spot that I've seen here today. If I had a, I could set up that stand right there and guarantee you, a hundred percent, I could kill a buck out of it today. Sixteen days from now, I don't think so. So, not that I'm going to leave the, you know, leave it for dead. Those deer are obviously going to move up and change up, but they'll be still in there. Uh, but that particular spot, and that's how it is through the whole season. As the seasons change, as the deer change, and as pre-rut comes in, and they and they and they do what they do, all that stuff is a constant moving blowing um, monster to deal with. And you, and you just can't park it, man. You got to stay, stay on reading it, what you're doing when the crops change, you know, um, not knowing that years ago we had to do, um, like I told you about, I sat two weeks before a season glassing, big old open marsh cattails watching. We don't have to do that shit anymore. We got electric devices that can do that for us. Yeah. And that's great intel. Um, and then during the season, it's, you know, I still utilize them um, in a little different way. I never go in anymore and really check cameras heavily. I have a bunch of cameras in and around the property that if I'm in that area hunting and then something develops there and on the way out, I'll grab a card and see just what was there. I mean, we did that with uh, Justin's buck this year, um, pulled a card and had his, uh, his deer where we've seen him slipping around that woodlot on that trail, um, which verified what we already read and knew. Um, but it's, uh, it's great intel. Um, but don't let it be a crutch. I have a lot of guys I know that because they ain't seen them on their cameras or they're um, not getting them, they're not moving. Like right now, you know, the cameras go dead on minerals and all that. The deer start moving into the – things change up. Uh, the most important thing is to get, get your lead on what you want. That that's what that tool is um, is there for, and then you got uh, it's game on, right? You're not guessing. How how often are you seeing a buck change up his tendencies from year to year? Are you seeing you know every other buck stay about the same, and every other buck change up year to year, or are more deer staying consistent year after year, like we hear uh, people say? You know, he was here October 27th, and he was here the next year, October 28th. You know, within that 36-hour time frame, yeah, is that so something you're seeing? I've I've experienced that too, which is pretty pretty spooky on that. But what changes up most of uh, a whitetail's uh, deal is uh, these crop rotations change. Food and, and I still go back. To, I don't care what anybody says about you know the rut hunters or late season hunters. Food, 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 food rules the rules the world, the white tail's world, and it, and everything revolves around that. So um, as that changes up, they change up, um, and even there in the rut, it all still kind of revolves around that. So um, that part of it's going to be changing up, but maybe that deer showing up on a property. At a certain time, uh, I've seen that happen before. It might be coincidence. Um, you know, we don't have the big rut movement that a lot of places have. We don't get a lot of strange deer that come in running through here just because of the way our uh, property lays in that. But um, 
Um, and I never been much of a rut hunter. I'm more of some more geared to looking for one one animal and chasing them chasing them around. So I know we were talking to Justin, and he was when you he was hunting with you. He was saying you guys were all over the property, checking here, checking there, and he was like, "Man, we need to get in a stand," you know, pretty much. And and you were like, "Well, let's not get in a stand." He said, "You said let's not get in a stand until we know it's the right one," you know. And, well, we were running out of time. For the last the last day, you know, I I told me we looked at it, it was a great tree, it was a great spot, the sign was decent, and I said it's you know, we can get in that that stand, we'll probably see some bucks here in that, but. I had a line on a, a deer that I seen come out of a draw earlier in the week, and I checked that draw two times, and it was cold. I said, "Let's just, you know, I'm not in a big hurry to really need to harvest the deer. It'd be nice to have another one, you know, two down with you being here this week for our show and stuff." But so we went. We just we kept going. We, we didn't have a lot of time left, but man, we just ran right into the frickin' mother load, just big old polish fresh. <laughs> rubs that just happened the day before and just red hot up into the draw that I knew that that big guy was hanging in. And uh, that's what you look for. And we only needed an hour and a half to kill that deer on that spot. We needed three hours to find it and then uh, just an hour and a half to kill it. So, um, And a lot of guys get it the other way. They just spend, you know, if you jump in a tree and you sit there long enough, you're, you're going to see some deer. There's going to be something coming by there during that rut, but um, if you go and you're sitting on that, that hot sign every time you're in, you're going to be on too. Um, it's amazing how many, I'll, every time I'll, I'll sit in a newsstand, I could kill a buck just about every time on there. Set it up. Now, what's wrong about that is you're burning up time on animals that you don't know. And the same with scrape hunting. Um, if I have tried to pin on a big deer and a scrape on this property. If you've seen the scrapes that are, the amount of bucks that are around and the amount of scrapes on there, it's like a needle in a haystack. So you use your cameras to locate the ones that the big deer are on, and those are scrapes you hunt. If you go in and blind hunt scrapes, good luck trying to find your 170. Uh, that's an impossible task. There's just too many of them, you know? So um, pin your shit down, man. Get precise on it. And, um, and know the animal you want, and uh, you know you're looking for big sign, not smaller, and then and just you, you get good. To, and all I gotta say is, the more you do it, uh, the more sign you read, the more you see the results, um, the more you'll learn. You know. Yeah, last year we went in. It was perfect October cold front coming in. We looped up in this public land, did a big circle, and we were gonna set up somewhere. Didn't like the sign went deeper didn't like the sign went deeper and it was getting late like it was mm-hmm. we probably had like what only like an hour and 40 minutes left to hunt maybe yeah and by the time and, we got back and there. i was like all right this is it i like this <laughs> and uh we set up and uh a mid 150s 160 class buck was a, a guy was actually 60 yards from us set up that we had no idea was there and he uh-huh. killed that buck but that oh, deer was coming right to our, our way. And <laughs> homie, we flew well, too, and homie got hit, that guy shooting that buck. And that no, shit. down. Yeah, yeah, we put, we posted it on our Facebook. The guy shot him right in the butt, right in the side of the ass cheek. And oh, uh, shit. the deer died the 40, yards, yeah, 40 yards from our stand. It was insane, wow. but we were going in there, and that guy, we didn't know he was there. He was set up in a stand that was already back there that someone had put up 
and he was facing away from us. Well, he's seen us come in, and he's thinking, these guys are coming in hella late. I ain't going to see anything. You know, they're yeah. setting up. And then, lo and behold, that buck still showed up, even though we were, you know, late. And we, we, yeah, but we that hole in him. was mad because we didn't have camo on. I'm like, dude, I go in in a T-shirt. We yeah. carry stuff. I go in in a T-shirt and then put the stuff on. But yeah. stuff don't have to be textbook if you're in the right spot. Like you, no, you just you, you, yeah, you're hunting. So yeah, that hour and a half is uh, worth you know another 24 hours of just jumping in and sitting on a mediocre shit spot. You just it doesn't make any sense to do that. You're just wasting. Uh, and I'm a guy who's got a lot of time, but when I didn't, time is of the essence and, and precious, man. You can't be burning up um, or having. And I got into a bad habit here too because there's not a lot of deer that I have a caliber I want to kill and I still hunt every day because I enjoy it. I like to film and do the stuff. Um, but you can um, you can get complacent with a lot of that stuff too and just um, um, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to explain. It's it's uh, you're better off to to look around and and screw up a few spots than you are to sit a shitload of them uh, where you didn't mess anything up, and you just never had a chance or never had a prayer or anything. So, um, yeah, I, call those, I get guys. I get bullshit guys. sets. We got to eliminate those. We got to eliminate the bullshit sets out where you're just hunting. Yeah. To be hunting. You're just out there to be out there. You know, just jumping. Just let's get out there and jump in a tree. Well, yeah. wow. Um, might as well just sit on the porch with the bow and uh, <laughs> hope this yeah. goes by. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we. That's we, actually we, a bad joke around here because there's some pretty big bucks that come by this porch. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're kind of back in the woods there, right? You're set up. But yeah, that's something we tried to do last year and something we're going to try to do even better this year is just have a purpose of why we're going in there and not just say, hell, I can hunt. I'm just going to go get in a tree. Like every, every hunt, we got kids and we're husbands and we work a lot. The time is limited. So every yeah. hunt has to be. There has to be a reason that you're sitting there. So, yeah. Otherwise, you're like I said, you're you don't you're burning up valuable time, valuable days. Um, um, but no, it's uh, still appealing. But it is really nice when there's something out there that you wanna you wanna go after. That just makes it super special. So, um, yeah, there's something, something cool. about picking a, picking a deer out, and me and homie both kind of have deer that we pick out and. Yeah, you know, it's just there's something about them. If you can beat them, that's the one you want to beat. I mean, a lot of a lot of times we've been trying to kill this one that homie's obsessed with called Westside. He's he goes down every year, and, and last year he might have been 125. Well, like an old, older buck. Yeah, super old. He was probably 160 when we found him, and then he was 155, yeah. and then he was like. 125, 135 last year. <laughs> is, he a, is he a bully? Um, no, he's a loner. He's a loner, always by himself. No. Uh, we have a we have trail cam video of him. How long was that trail cam video of him, homie, that he was just standing in the same spot eating a bush? It was 33 minutes <laughs> of him standing there, and he moved about two and a half feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, lot, a, lot of the bigger, a lot of bigger older bucks are smart like that. They know they, they don't run into anywhere. They they walk off. They don't. They're yeah. just cautious. And I was just telling somebody about that the other day. If uh, 
people don't realize that more of this is more than scent. It's it's these deer are watchers, these big mature animals. And I've had deer come out and then just scent something will be up and stop these huge bucks and not move a frickin' flex of muscle on their body for 20 frickin' minutes straight and just stare your way. And you just crumble. You can't sit still for 20 minutes if you tried, and there's this animal that's just not an eye-moving nothing like a statue. How the hell do you beat something like that looking your direction, you know? It's, it's tough, yeah. so. Uh. Yeah, last year the deer I killed was probably a three-year-old, and if he would have been a four-year-old, me and homie were both like, no way we'd have killed that deer. Because he looked at us for three minutes, and he knew we were there. <laughs> Jake knew that we were there, and then he was just like, I'm going to turn broadside at 20. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this guy can shoot. I'm going to give him his yeah, shot. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I, this guy does not look like he can make this shot. I'm going to go risk it. I really want to go this way. But, yeah, if it would have been an older deer, that deer would have been like, no, he would have backpedaled out of there and been gone. But this deer is like, all right, yeah, I joke. <laughs> I joke around with some guys. This is the safest spot in the woods is running right into your freaking tree. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my brother used to miss some pretty easy shots, too, and shit. And like, um, just taking my head, like, wow. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 a great game, man. It's, uh, um, it's a new game with all this technology and all the stuff that's out there now so i'm still not a big map guy and all that so uh, i might actually get a a uh one of those um it was amazing so justin comes out here he's on a property he's never seen before he can call up cody and get these pins dropped to him this son of a bitch can find my stand in the dark easier than i can he just <laughs> right to the base of the trees with this fucking new new technology and shit out there so it's uh like I said, it's a change in the game. I'll have to get with the times. Yeah, it used to be, all right, there's the stump, there's the rock, take the right, go, you know. Now you look at people's phones, they got 87 pins dropped. They know exactly where. I, I don't know how people find all their, if they run a bunch of trail cameras without pins, I'd be lost as hell. Yeah, well, that's funny because now uh, I get a little old up there. I used to not forget a track, every little piece of sign that, you know, your mind's, fresher younger and now it's like i got all these cameras on like where the hell is you know it's almost like you got to be driving that way and all of a sudden remember that there's one over, there's so many out there that you could just uh should i i find them shed hunting that are left on the trees that forgot where they're you know but i do have a camera company so um i can't have some some numbers out there yeah, that helps out. <laughs> so got some spares in the closet well, i'll put a i'll put a camera on like i'll be doing it again this year just to learn shit so I'll put cameras on uh, what I call these, uh, they're almost like a community rubs, the ones that I get opened every year on pretty big trees, um, and a lot of different bucks will rub them, and I like to, I'll put those on there and leave them all year and just watch what happens on those, um, from the first time they start hitting them to through the season, it's kind of interesting to, to learn stuff that way where you, you know, this is private ground, you don't have to worry about them, someone ripping it off, but uh, I had a camera out. Last year, that literally an entire year, and I seen uh, a buck, um, and the batteries lasted that whole time because there was a lot, a lot of pictures being taken. I was just on a trail in, in our bottoms, and that deer, I, I got him in velvet. I got him you know, growing his rack. I got him through the season, working scrapes. Uh, I got when he dropped his antlers. The whole life cycle of that buck coming through that draw on our main property is pretty interesting to see. Um, 
that you'd have a deer that would live, you know, pretty much through the whole season, right? And and it's a, a big pinch point, so they, they have to come on through there. Um, but you learn stuff by by seeing that mm-hmm. and putting all that, you know, where you wouldn't have. Yeah, those community rubs is not something that a lot of people find and run cams on. A lot of people just do them on scrapes, but that's how we knew if the the 190 that I we ended up killing five years ago, mm-hmm. that's how we knew if he was on the property or not. He would go to that community rub every year and hit that rub. and Ripper open. Yeah, and you would you would go back there and there'd be nothing, and then it would be like a light switch and it was yep. the most fun time you've ever seen in your life, you know? And, yep. uh, but what was crazy is if a guy walked in there, he would just think that it was dynamite set up. And what did we have? One deer on in daylight there and a whole year, homie? Yep, yep. One in shooting light. Yep. One in yeah, shooting light. Yeah, imagine that, eh? That's a, um, that's a wasted shit, you know? I mean, if it's uh, at the wrong time, it's. Capture, that's all I got to do is capture that one moment in time, you know, and it's all it takes yeah. is one, but um, you can burn up a lot of time, waste a lot of time, or you could uh, go with intel and uh, and make a educated um, ambush. Yeah, for trail cams, I mean, when I was hunting, if I would have seen all that, I would have been sitting up there multiple times. Yeah. When you, homie, you would have just, there's no way you could have not been in there. Yeah, and a, a couple times. And years before we knew anything about moon phase and all that too. I don't know if you've experienced that, but back in the this is probably before even we were hunting in that. But we'd all have these spots that were just smoking red hot, beat to shit trails, fresh shit up and down. Just you want to piss your pants sitting it, and you'd sit those stands numerous days and not see a freaking germ, and you just could not believe that there wasn't a deer on them. Well, you know, two hours after dark, there was. They were running up and down that trail, feeding, pissing, going out, you know. It's just, it wasn't the time to be on it. Um, so, you know, that has a lot to do with that, too. Uh, midday or if they're moving after dark or, um, you know, and then weather is the other big one. I met, You mentioned weather. Weather, to me, is the biggest uh, Movement of a, a big whitetail uh, that you got over moon phase, over everything, over rut that uh, they just that high pressure, cold, new fronts coming through, man. They're just happy to be alive and up and, and moving and, and doing all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, weather's key. Wind, yeah. weather, all that stuff. That's that's what makes the magic happen. Is yeah, those, that weather, man. Well, just look at just look at a rut in a warm hot year how you know it's it's just laid back shitty a lot of shit happening after dark and then just look at when you got a nice cold crisp good good uh, good weather pattern going through and just it's the difference between you know day and night yeah, you know yeah it's uh, night and day we experienced that last year i know you probably had a lot of hot weather even where you were at last year during the run it was yeah. it was tragic we took 18 days off uh, and hunted every day and man it was it was bad. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> brutal. Yeah, it was not. It's nice when it, it's nice when they're moving though in daylight hours in that weather, huh? Nice easy oh, yeah. shit, nice light jacket. Yeah, you, it's 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 beautiful. The mornings were decent, and it was you know definitely weren't yeah. wasn't cold. Definitely was not cold ever. Yeah. But then right. Yeah, the big thing is too cold. Uh, the, the front came in. 
<laughs> the big thing that shuts them off and on is um, whatever the average is. Uh, and I, I think you can find that out through your, your, all your apps and shit like that. If your average temperatures are running at a certain uh, amount normally at that time of year and you're running 10 degrees hotter or 10 degrees lower, uh, that's, that's your big your big window. I mean, Illinois, I hunted one year opening week. It literally was down to 30 degrees on opening day, believe it or not, there in October, and it was like full bore, frickin' battling, rut, frickin' chaos. Everything was going nuts, you know, just because of that weather. Um, uh, it was so much colder than what when the average is, and then just the opposite. If it's really hot, it could just shut that shit down, and you got a half-hour window in the morning um, to get something done, you know, everything else moving. Yeah. Moving later, just moving slow, you know. Getting back to uh, uh, one second, Cody. I got one question yeah, asked. When you got the wolf on the line, you got to throw it all at him here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that Cody and I really noticed um, hunting these bigger, mature deer, and just like Cody had said, West Side there is kind of a loner. But um, even when we see pictures of you know really world class whitetails being killed, um, they're they're never really broke up or anything as far as their rat goes. Everything seems to be intact for the most part. Um, so kind of two parts. Is that something that you're seeing um, throughout your hunting career is, you know, the really big mature bucks are not really broke up? And two is why do you think that if they are? Well, let me think about that. So um, it would have to do probably with, um, so you got your pecking order of deer um, in an area. You got your bachelor group. You might have six bucks and then. Maybe four properties over, there's a bachelor group of six bucks. Um, let's say the two dominant of those two deer end up crossing paths. There's a battle to the death right there. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas all the other bucks on this property know who the big kingpin is. And they might do some sparring with them, but they're not going to challenge them. It's not going to be that you know, battle to the death. So there's going to be some times not getting broke up. I think it's got a lot to do with structure of the animals, too, as far as uh, what age class, if they're spindlier. We had a buck on here one year that uh, literally uh, over 20 different bucks were completely, and I'm talking 140 class deer, 150, all the way up to 170-inch bucks, were missing half their whole racks, all their tines just sheared off. And this was a tank of a 174-inch, low-tined, heavy whitetail with a frickin' attitude. Um, and if you got anywhere near close to it, there was nothing on your, your head that was going to survive that, <laughs> that impact. So, um, it's got to do with attitude. There are some big, huge trophy bucks that are just little bitches. They're not kingpins or timid animals that, that aren't real, uh, real aggressive. So your busted up deer, I think are going to be your ones just coming into your own and at three and a half range, they think they're hot shit and they're going to fight everything that's out and, um, you know, and try and get some action from a bigger one, and they're going to get they're going to get busted up, and the bigger ones um, are not. So there could be, like I said, a lot of things that go into that. Uh, but your real true trophies for me, all of my really big bucks, most of them are four and a half year old animals. Um, if they got any older than that, they would probably start getting stickers and non typical shit, so they they lose their cleanness for their score. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a whitetail to live in the woods over four and a half years old is a pretty big feat in itself. Um, 
whether you're suburban hunting and it's cars and vehicles or just a amount of hunting pressure, um, everywhere you turn, someone's flinging an arrow at you. Um, and then just out of nature fighting each other too. It's, uh, uh, the mortality rate of those animals is just is huge. So um, I don't know if that shows any any enlightenment to it, but um, yeah, I don't I don't really have a lot of really big animals that have big shit sheared off. They're all pretty clean, uh, intact. Yeah, what what we've noticed around here is when you get those really big, like the 170 and betters that we've been hunting, they aren't missing a kicker. Like, yeah, who's gonna, who's gonna drag with and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I don't, and and I've tried snort wheezing at this deer and stuff, and every time it is not worth We've asked multiple people about it, and uh, they almost run away from the snort wheeze. And you would think, man, this is the most dominant, biggest deer in the pecking order out here, he ought to be pissed. But, um, well, if you get him, if you get him in that stage, the right stage of that deer, um. He will, he'll, he'll, he'll get, you know, but if he's thinking about what's going on and some of them, uh, you're pretty comfortable. One of the biggest bucks I've ever hunted didn't leave any rubs, uh, scrapes, not a lot of aggressive. Um, uh, it was like a 250 non-typical. So, um, who's going to jag with, with that set of gear? But I, I tell you, I'm in Illinois though, and I have seen some really huge bucks with, some really big shit missing too. So they've run into something even who knows what's running up and down that Saginaw river down there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, the deer that I told you about that, uh, the only deer, uh, fight that he probably ever got his ass kicked on was, um, and I know because I seen, uh, there was a dome heat. Both those deer were, were, uh, squaring off in a field at uh, dark. It was the night before gun season. Uh, so I left them there dark, and in the morning I was patrolling my property, so I was up at, at sunup to see, uh, to blast the property. And that big deer was uh, uh, not there. It was the, uh, it was a 12, probably the 170s, 12 frame. Uh, he was in that field with that doe yet, so he beat the other one, but an entire half of his rack was gone. Oh, man. And it was out in that field somewhere, but that buck, you know, it cost him that half to, to get that doe. And it was probably the only deer I've ever seen that that big one. I mean, we had uh, shit, uh, 150 inches sheared at the pedestal by that buck. <laughs> so, Damn. Um, and yeah. again, you know, he might walk up to another deer, and deer are social. They might, you know, how they'll square off a little bit. Their hair will come up on there. Maybe touch noses and give a little shot. I bet this thing would come up in more of a passive way and then when a deer come up on him he just let that freaking massive rack just just go 100 percent on him and just smash the shit out i would love to see that on video yeah Yeah. them kinds of shearing off they're like they're they're that's insane oh and it was a big animal too dude big big animal yeah that definitely helps i know we never we never killed that deer but we found it dead uh, during mushroom season so we have his uh his rack up in the barn here, so. Nice. That's cool. As a tyrant. <laughs> well, we don't want to take up much more of your time. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and talking whitetail with us. Um, just, again, just huge respect for what you've done for the hunting community and your podcast coming on. Everyone you come on, um, you're a wealth of knowledge. I know you're busy as hell, but 
for guys like us that are just really trying to learn and absorb any content we can, I really appreciate you taking time on, on shows and, and putting it out there so people can hear you speak. Well, that's two ways, man. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on and, and, and wanting to listen and learn. And, and again, take what we all, you know, everybody else, these older guys tell you, uh, take that with a grain of salt, learn it. And then, uh, also figure out your own little system or groove you know everybody's got their own little tactics or what they've learned and uh, once you figure that out replicate it and you'll you'll do good you know you're in the right you're in the right neck of the woods so yeah we're we've been blessed to be in, that's the biggest in, part and the right where big bucks like to live and we we've hunted long enough to where we find them and every year we hunt the spots and there's big deer there so my yeah. god until something changes, I'm staying right here. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't move. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not gonna venture off too far. Just go where I know they have to be and, and, and try to make it happen. But, um, yeah. Like I said, appreciate you coming on tonight. Cool.